This is 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. And now, with their always informative and often entertaining take on the sports news of the day, here are Jonathan Raggis and Jim Williams. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. I'm your Jonathan Raggis. Alongside me, as always, is Jim Williams. What's going on, man? Unbelievable times in sports right now. That's what's going on, my main man. Lots to cover. We got lots to cover, and we we may have to go longer than ninety. In fact, I will bet the ranch we have to go longer than uh, or longer than sixty, I should say. Yeah. We have to go longer than sixty to cover it all because we were off on Friday. Um, we've got a full slate of NFL. We've got four games in a World Series that are just in freaking sane. And there are so many stories between baseball and between uh, football we have to tackle. One late breaking this morning on a, out of Washington that involves a, a certain Redskins player throwing himself, you know, you know, pretty much, you know, <laughs> shooting himself in the foot, no pun intended. Shooting his whole foot off. <laughs> more or less. And uh, we've got that and so much more. Plus, the association kicks off their season tomorrow night. We'll talk a little round ball rock with you. But we can't do this alone. We want you to join in. We have time for you to reach out and touch us about anything in the world of sports, be it the National Football League, be it the World Series, be it the NBA starting up, or any of the, any of the other hot-button topics we've got. Mm. Here's how you do that, boys and girls. You're in the chat room. We have uh, Travis7494. I'm going to give him a shout-out because he signed up at blogtalkradio.com. He's in the chat. Hey, Trap, what's going on? I don't, I don't know him from Alice, but seems like a good dude. He's listening to us. That's all you have to do. You're in the chat room. You can comment. You can give us questions. We'll read them on the air uh, periodically. We're both in the chat room. If you feel like you want to voice your opinion vocally, by all means, two ways to do that. The click to Skype button at the top of the player or by simply dialing it the old-fashioned way. 347-237-5373. Once again, that is the 347-237-5373, and we will put you in queue. You'll be listening to us, and then we'll bring you aboard, and we'll talk about stuff like the week that was in the NFL, right, John? Absolutely, and we're going to start it off with uh, the Thursday night game because, like you said, we weren't here Friday, so we couldn't touch on that exciting Tampa Bay Buccaneers-Carolina Panthers game. Not really exciting, but I just felt like saying it. But guess what? We have to recap it because we recap every game here on 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. So let's get straight into it, Jim. The Carolina Panthers now 4-3 and three on the season, knocking off the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 31-13, to pushing Tampa Bay to 0-7. And Cam Newton had himself another good game. What did you think of this one? Well, Cam Newton is starting to take shape and starting to find his groove. But again... You put the asterisk because it was the lowly Tampa Bay Bucks, who I'm going to tell you right now may have supplanted the Jaguars as the worst team in football. I think so. It, 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 Only it's because really of the people they have on this team. And plus, they're the walking wounded. They're yeah. the absolute walking wounded. Mike Lennon actually wasn't that bad. Mike, Mike like, Lennon has looked good. Yeah, but outside of Vincent Jackson, he's got no one to throw mm. to. No. And there's no running game because of the injuries to Doug Martin. And what have you. You're not good this season anyway, unfortunately. Now, let me beg the question to you, or raise the question is the better way to put it. Greg Schiano, does he see to the end of the season, or is he fired in season? Uh, He sees to the end of the season, and then he'll be back uh, in in college. 
Uh, you know, he's just not an NFL coach. Nobody likes him. You know, he doesn't even have the respect of his players from what we keep hearing. So he's not going to be back. There, there's a famous saying, you've lost the team, that a coach loses the team. I don't think he ever had the no. team to begin with. No, I honestly don't think he had a team. Uh, you know what? To me, having Greg Schiano there forced Josh Freeman out the door. You know, we've seen Josh Freeman look good and then really just crumble under Schiano. Exactly. It's just exactly. great. You know, and then also, you know what? The great thing is I love to do my my Revis watch here. Uh, <laughs> tackles in Thursday night's game, only two passes deflected, no interceptions. Nothing else. Uh, a lot of people, I of course, have to say, knock the Jets for trading Darrell Revis. Smart, smart move by the New York Jets. Who's got a borderline winning record and who is O for the season? Exactly. The Jets are playing 500 ball right now. I mean, that's not good to make the playoffs. But it's nobody... great to keep Rex Ryan's job. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? I mean, I mean, shows, except for yesterday, of course. And we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more in depth in, in a little bit. But if I had told you at the beginning of the season, halfway through, your team would be playing 500, you'd be ecstatic. Oh, absolutely. So absolutely. I don't want to hear it then, okay? Absolutely. You know? Well, let's, you know what? Let's move it over to them right now. The New York Jets, unfortunately, <laughs> got their, their asses handed to them yesterday by the Cincinnati Bengals, 49-9. to It just was not a good game all around for the New York Jets on defense and on offense. But I do have to say, though, the front four for the Jets is phenomenal. It's that secondary, which is just awful, which let Andy Dalton go 19 of 30 for 325 yards, five touchdowns, and a franchise-breaking day for Marvin Jones, the wide receiver of the Cincinnati Bengals with four touchdowns. What did you think of this one, Jim? Because I know what I think, and I was pretty much sick over it. Marvin Jones had himself a coming-out party. That's what that was. And A.J. Green, everybody who owns A.J. Green is like, why not him? Uh, if you're in the in the fantasy uh, realm, Funny thing is, I picked up Marvin Jones on Saturday from one league. My favorite Marvin. Eight points for me. It was great. It, you, for that, I hate you, but that's okay. Uh, wait, was it in the in the league we're in? Um, it might have been. Well, I'm, uh, we're in different conferences, so yeah. good on you, bully on you, mate. But Andy Dalton had himself a game, and, and you're right with the Jets. There is no secondary. The secondary is a line of Swiss cheese. There are more holes in it than you can possibly imagine. It's it's, it's terrible, is what it is. It's terrible. It just you know too much, yeah. too often. It was just it was just a, an insane game. And you know, imagine if they had the running game, it would have been over fifty. It would have oh, been over fifty. Forget about it. Well, you know, I said, you know what, man? What kind of Andy Dalton are you going to get week in and week out? And oh, we got he got the real. This is well, you know what. This was the real, but also big, big game for Marvin Jones, man. If, you know, who knows if Marvin Jones was dropping passes, man, if the score would have been – I mean, they still would have won, but I don't think the score yeah, would have well, been. I get that, but, so. you know, you, you tip your hat to the home team. It's I, just when, – when they can – I mean, they consistently scored two touchdowns for the first three quarters, and then the fourth they were like, okay, we're going to just take it easy. Yeah, now. it was just – listen, everything broke down for the Jets. You know what, man? Geno Smith did not look good. Got to give huge, huge props to only two players yesterday, and that was uh, – Wide receiver David Nelson, eight receptions, 80 yards. And then I just got to do it, man, because I, it's it's like watching somebody just turn into a superstar in front of your eyes, and that's Muhammad Wilkerson, man. The guy's a beast, man. Another sack and interception yesterday. Love watching him play. But other than that, outside of those two, miserable, miserable game to watch. Muhammad Wilkerson, pride and joy of 
Temple. Yep. Absolutely. Josh Cribbs has given him a little bit of a spark plug in uh, kick return department, but other than that, man, you know what, man, it seems they win a game, they lose a game, and that's what's, you know, that's just the way it's been going. So uh, if they win uh, after the bye week, that would be nice. John, you're my main man and all, but do not try to put lipstick on this pig. It was ugly. Oh, it was ugly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I said it. It was it was downright disgusting, you know. Yeah. But they it, look at the pattern. They win a game, they lose a game, and, uh, you know, Cincinnati's a much better team than the New York Jets are, and it showed yesterday. Most definitely. And I didn't start Andy Dalton. Don't you feel like poop? I started Colin Kaepernick. He had a good game. So, yeah. like, you know, I you know I started somebody that didn't do good either. So, yeah. let's uh, continue to trend here. We had a, you know, this was a real exciting game. The Detroit Lions knocking off the Dallas Cowboys 31-30. to Dallas Cowboys now 4-4 four and four in the season. Detroit Lions go up to 5-3. and three. I'll let you throw it out here, man. What a game. Between Matt Stafford and Calvin Johnson. In the words of Bill Raftery, because we're almost in college basketball season, Matthew Stafford, major onions! And the reason I say that is how he got the game-winning touchdown. That was freaking brilliant. I agree. I agree. You know, you're, you're, you got the ball down at the one-yard line, clock's ticking down, 20, 19, 18, and you set up like you're going to spike the football, and then you just jump over top of both lines and get in cross the and cross the goal line. Awesome. Yeah. But the story of the game, the second most receiving yards in the history of the league in a single game, Calvin Megatron Johnson. For 14 receptions, ladies and gentlemen, three... 129 yards. Amazing. On 14 receptions. 329 yards. Amazing. I, I, most people will be, most wide receivers would be lucky to have that many receiving yards after a month of games. Yes. He did it in one. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, one of the things we go back and forth on, and I'm going to be a little hypocritical here. One of the things that, you know, we, we look at is, you know, there is no IN team. There is no. no one player who is better or greater than the team. In this case, you kind of have to make an exception. It, 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 listen, you know, we talk about it a lot here. When Calvin Johnson is in this lineup, the Detroit Lions are one of the better teams in the NFL. No doubt. The, the, when Megatron's not in this lineup, they're going to lose. They're an average team at yeah, best. Absolutely. They're going to lose. And I'm sorry to say it, but you know what? They're not going to get it done with Brandon Pettigrew, uh, Chris Durham, and whoever, uh, you know, Ryan Broyles. And, right. you know, they, they have third slot wide receivers to bench wide receivers after Calvin Johnson. There, there really is no second wide receiver on this team Reggie that could step up. Reggie Bush had himself a very nice game, too. Yeah. 21 carries, 92 yards, and a touchdown. But on the other side, oh, my Lord. Romo kept the kept him in the game, but he threw for under 50% for 206 and three touchdowns. There was no running game, even though everybody and their sister decided to have a rush. Uh, but, uh, you know, Des Bryant, he can go. hang his hat on one thing and one thing only. He caught one more touchdown pass than Calvin Johnson. And that's it. That's about it. Three grabs, 72 yards. Uh, the long one was a touchdown of 50 yards. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for a guy who talks a damn good game, he folded like a jack wagon and pretty much disintegrated before the national uh, television media's eyes 
about 4.15, 4.20 Sunday afternoon because of the way he acted at the end of the game. You know, it's, it's just amazing, man. Watching him on the sidelines just, you know, yell at Tony Romo, yell at the head coach, and then all of a sudden here comes Jason Witten getting in his face saying, listen, dude, calm your ass down, man. You know, this is... This is a prima donna at best, an egomaniac yelling at the leaders of this team in Tony Romo, in the head coach, in, in Jason Witten. And then, you know, DeMarcus Ware tries to grab him. And then you see DeMarcus Ware talking to him calmly. And whatever Des said, DeMarcus Ware got himself pissed off as well. And DeMarcus Ware went after him then too. Prima donna, man. You know, at best. Listen, like you just said, talks a big, big game, flat out falls in his ass. Calvin Johnson doesn't talk. Calvin Johnson stays quiet. Calvin Johnson goes out and always plays a phenomenal game. And, in fact, when given the game ball afterwards, the report I heard was that he was very soft-spoken, didn't want to give a speech or the whole kind you know. He gets it. He gets it. While Des Bryant has a history of not getting it until it's way too late, i.e., jewelry he took without payment a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, Class A misdemeanor against his biological mother about a year ago. Uh, So on and so forth. He has not been right from Jump Street. And I don't mean from his NFL career. I mean, sad to say, from birth. Some people are like that. It's crazy. And then, of course, he came out to defend himself uh, via the Dallas Morning News, and I quote, my passion is always positive. I'm not saying anything wrong. I'm not saying anything bad. It's all positive. I'm expressive on the field and off. Even when I look angry, it's all good passion. I feel that's what I need. I love this game. In order to win, you have to be passionate about this game. You have to let that dog come out and put it all on the line, end quote. I'm sorry, but what I saw from Des Bryant yesterday was nowhere near positive. No, it was him pissed off beyond belief. It was immaturity at its finest. Let's, let's face facts. Des Bryant is uh, how old now? He's 24. He's going to be 25 later this week, or actually next week. He shouldn't, you know, there comes a point in time when it clicks and you have that aha moment, and he has not had that yet. Yeah. Well, of course, uh, his his little brother, uh, it was his little brother, his little buddy Deion Sanders came out to defend him, which I'm not shocked over. Well, Deion's my main man, though, but come on. Uh, Well, listen to this, man, and, and, you know, I'm going to quote Deion Sanders here, and I want to get your take on this because I have my own take on it. Here's the quote. He is the only guy in that team that plays with that kind of passion. The only guy. At certain times, he shows immaturity. However, you can't want the passion, mental toughness, and aggressiveness on the field, but not want it off the field, end quote. I'm sorry, man. There's a lot of guys I've seen play with so much passion on the Dallas Cowboys roster. How can you say it does Brian plays with passion, but a DeMarco guy like DeMarco Murray? DeMarco Murray? Jason Witten? These guys don't play with passion. DeMarcus Ware, when he's out on the field, they don't play with passion. Come on, man. You know, I mean, that's just, you know what, man, that's just defending your friends, uh, as usual. That's defending the friends and defending your position, really, when you get right down to it. That's Absolutely. what that is. Absolutely, man. I, I read that this morning, and I, and I knew it right away. Here we go. Uh, you know what? I'm not shocked. It's, uh, it's Deion Sanders. So. It's Deion. Uh, I like Deion as an announcer. Uh, I, I like Deion as a player. But sometimes, man, he just dives into something he should really stay out of. and uh, I'd like to wish in a perfect world he was playing devil's advocate, but no, he's not. That's the thing. I'm sorry, man. You can say, listen, man, I understand your passion, but you got to take the passion. Put it towards a positive light. There was 12 seconds left. You were going back out onto the field with your offensive unit. You should have you not had that breakdown before 
you were going back out to the field again. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's a place, there's a time and a place for that. It's called the locker room. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in the locker room, away from the fans, out of the camera's eye, out of the limelight. And, you know, once again, here we go, Des Bryant not only shedding a negative light on himself, but shedding a negative light on the Dallas Cowboys. So, yeah. it is what it is. So true, so true. Let's continue the trend. Let's go here. Guess what, Jim? Oh, Andy no. Reid is now 8-0 after a 23-17 to win over the 3-5 <laughs> and five Jeez, Um Yeah, the Chiefs the are 8-0. But you know what i got to say? What? Jason Campbell played an effective game for the Cleveland Browns yesterday. When's the last time you said Jason Campbell has played an effective game, period? Oh, I don't think I've ever said Jason Campbell has played an effective game for any team he was on, but he looked good yesterday. Ladies and gentlemen, the future is Jason Campbell. Uh, maybe not, but I thought he was throwing the uh, Forrest Whitaker during the game because I saw F Whitaker and uh, it was it was Fuzzy Whitaker. So yeah, Waka Waka Fuzzy, yes. Or, or Chris Jericho's Fuzzy. We put uh, Michael Waka of the Cardinals and Fuzzy Whitaker on the same team. More more on that later. Uh, no, but Jason Campbell, twenty-two of thirty-six, just shy of three hundred yards passing, two touchdowns, clean game from him. Uh, I won't bore you with the fact that there is no running game in Cleveland. But Josh Gordon helped his cause out with uh, five grabs, 132 yards, and so on and so forth. But Alex Smith, every bit the copier the other way, uh, 24-36 for 225 and two touchdowns. And Jamal Charles got the ground game going again. Can I just stop a second? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Andy Reid with an effective run game. 14 years he was here, right? 14 years. Oh, man. Something like that. And he had a number, most notably, LaShawn McCoy in his backfield, okay? Never wanted to run the football. Never wanted to run the football. Now he's running the football with some... Uh, Let me ask you this, though, because we never, ever see coaches go to a different team and totally go opposite of the way they've coached for so many years before that. Why do you think it is that Andy Reid's doing this now? I think simply put, the situation, the management um, that he had to deal with, mm-hmm. I think he was just he wanted to start anew completely. You have to remember, the last few years of the Andy Reid regime, it wasn't just actually football operations. It was personal stuff that was in the way, with his son dying and you know his son's constantly in trouble and what have you, and so much uh, controversy left, right, and center uh, in his personal life. Fleeing 1,500 miles away gave him a new start, a new life, and he's, you know, making the most of it. So I give him credit in that regard. Uh, It's just, why couldn't you have done it here? Well, you know, when I look at this, I mean, seriously, he's coaching so much better in KC than he did with the Eagles. And, you know, the first thing I think of, you know, did he have a Jeffrey Luria? Did he have you know, whatever, at Don Smolensky, did he have even Howard Roseman, you know, looking down his back? Easily. Easily. I, I think I think there's something to that. Legit. By the way, if you go to the Philadelphia Eagles Wikipedia page yeah. and you click on general manager Howard Roseman, it opens up to old man that doesn't know football profile page. Oh, stand by. This ought to be good. Yeah. Check it out because I just uh, I saw that earlier, man. I forgot to you know mention that in pre-show, and I thought it was it, it, it was damn hilarious. Now where is it on the page? Go to the, uh, on the right side of the Wikipedia page for the Eagles. Uh, you'll see the owner, the president, and then you'll see the general manager. If you click Howie Roseman, 
Howard Howie Roseman. Now click that and you'll see Search it. Search for Old Man the Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, man. Oh, it's beautiful. It, 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 it was awesome. Beautiful. It was awesome. It really was. So, I mean, honestly, you can easily say that Andy Reid is coaching much better in KC than he did in Philadelphia. There's no question about it. Yeah. No. Oh, well. How do you feel about it, though, man? Seriously, you know, would you like Andy to come back coaching the way he's coaching right now? If Andy Reid was coaching the way he's coaching right now, we might be 8-0 with 18 different quarterbacks. Well, that's a stretch. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of a stretch, man. I don't know. Yeah, but we'd, we'd, be, we'd be in the lead in the NFC East, which doesn't say much, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah I mean, credit to him, but you also uh, – and we, I'm not trying to knock what they've done. They are the first team in the history of the league to go from the worst record in the league to 8-0. Kevin Nagati with that stat from ESPN. I say by sources. Uh, but – Again, a lot of this is strength of opposition, too. They have not faced and they have not beat, to my knowledge, a team with a winning record when they've gone head-to-head. Yeah. But these are the teams you've got to beat, so they've done it. You know, what? ultimately, the, the big prize, the big game, oh, this is going to be massive, and I, I believe it's in the window to be flexed. Mm-hmm. Kansas City-Denver. Oh, that's going to be fun. That is going to be a real fun game. Uh, it's going to be fun picking the games this week. All right. Let's move it on over, man. AFC East matchup here as the New England Patriots down to Miami Dolphins, 27 to 17. Patriots now six and two in the season. Dolphins three and four. And the Dolphins had the lead going into halftime, 17 to three. And then, in typical Dolphins fashion, they just blew it. Well, what it comes down to is, well, first of all, Tom Brady may not be well. Mm-hmm. His hand may be broken in half. Oh, poor Tom Brady. Ronnie Lott lost a finger and played, man. You can do it. <laughs> well, if it's your throwing hand, it's kind of... Ah, stop being a wuss, man. Start a ball. Just get Skeletor to give you something. I don't know. Be a hockey player, man. Come on, throw the ball. Oh, yeah, no, don't make me go there. Don't make me go there. Well, they we'll talk hockey later on at the end of the show, so... They've relied more on the running game uh, in the absence of any passing game. I mean, for goodness sakes... Brady, 13-22, 116, a touchdown and a pick, but Ridley ran for 79 yards. Well, they really only have 14 carries, man. Well, because they gave Blount a few. What, man? They gave Blount a few, they gave Bolden a few, and Brady. Jeez, man. You know, Stephon Ridley was running the ball, damn, and he has been for the last. Against the Jets, most notably, this season. Four weeks? Well, not really, man. He, it was, you know, he, he ran for almost 100 against your team. It was, no, 11 carries, 50 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, he ran okay, but if they would have gave him more carries, he would have had a lot more damage. Very true, very true. But this was a tale of two halves. I mean, Miami, you know, was right with them, tooth and nail in the first half, and then the second half, like you said perfectly, the wheels fell off the proverbial wagon. Mm-hmm. So, uh... I just wonder if his wife's going to take the Twitter and blame uh, Dobson and Tompkins for uh, Tom Brady not being able to throw with a swollen hand. Oh, jeez. Stop the pain. Stop it. I mean, the Patriots are going to, you know, as bad as they are, as hurt as they are, they are guaranteed, I hate to say this, uh, considering you're a Jets fan, they're guaranteed to back into the AFC East with another 10-win season, yeah. but they're going to get knocked out first round. First they're round they're going to do nothing against teams from the other divisions. They're, they're not going to do nothing. Yeah. I'm sorry. You know, they're, uh, they're, their defense isn't that great. Their offense isn't that great. Uh, you know, fortunately for them, they're playing uh, – you know, bad teams. Absolutely. Yeah. 
they you know they had a really easy schedule uh you know through uh eight weeks so mm-hmm. you know plus you know we can also talk about that week two game against the jets jets gift wrapping it for them so uh you know would have pushed them down to uh they would have been would have been five and three right now right so right. see what happens all right, man. Let's go here. Uh, New Orleans Saints now six and one in a season with a thirty-five to seventeen win over the now three and five Buffalo Bills and Drew Brees monster game, man. Vintage Drew Brees. Oh my. Sorry, Michael Cole moment. But Brees was uh, Brees was breezy. Twenty-six and thirty-four for three thirty-two and five touchdowns. Peter Thomas ran for sixty-five, and he caught uh, for twenty-nine. So he he did his thing, I guess. Thad uh, Lewis. Thaddeus Lewis, and eh, he was okay, I guess. He didn't, he didn't help his cause. He didn't hurt his cause. On no the running game side. either, man. There for Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, hurt them. It's just a rough game. Just a rough game to go into enemy ground, especially, especially there. Yeah. Uh, but you know, well, you know, what, what else can you say? Well, you know, they thought they were going to have a break with Jimmy Graham out, and guess what? Jimmy Graham superstarred himself and played. Superstar. And you know, they get Lance out. Moore back, and you know Drew Brees is happy about having Lance Moore back. Yeah. But I then, think. Kenny, who stills? Who? Exactly. Three receptions, 129 yards, two touchdowns. Who is Kenny Stills? Well, he is a boomer sooner from Oklahoma. And, but, you know, what? this goes to the argument of good quarterbacks make any wide receiver look amazing. Again, it goes back to the Tom Brady theorem. I mean, we we, we crap all over, and rightfully so. The Patriots, they're 6-2. and Because well, Tom Brady can do, I don't want to say more with less. My argument would be Aaron Rodgers does more with less sometimes. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers does a lot more or less. But at the same time, too, uh, you know, Tom Brady does a lot, you know, a lot of good things with a very uh, very easy schedule in front of him. So, mm-hmm. you know, now you got, you know, games, you know, f- you know, for New England coming up with Denver and, you know, Houston's defense and, you know, Baltimore after that. So, Simple question now for you. Is this team, this Saints team right now, as we approach the midway week of the season, the best team in the National Football Conference? I honestly do. You know what, man? You look at the uh, Chiefs 8-0 record. Um, to me, that's a little misleading. You know, no, I'm, I'm just talking about NFC, not AFC. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just throwing around, even, even just, you know, on, on the whole entire NFL platform. I, I honestly think right now, even with the Chiefs at 8-0, I think the Saints are probably the better team in football. Mm. You know, uh, it's, you know, they're, you know, they beat some tough teams so far, and I think Drew Brees is really heating up. But in the NFC, I think they're the best team. There's no question about it. Mm-hmm. But I, I think they're second to Denver overall in the league mm-hmm. at this point. And we'll talk about Denver and Biden in a little bit as well. Biden. <clears throat> uh, but let's, uh, let's move it on to your team, the Philadelphia. Oh, son Bulls. of a biscuit. Now 3-5 and five in the season. 0-4 oh, at home. And I believe, what are they, 0-8 oh, at home? Or 0-10 oh, now at home uh, in the last 10 games? They lost their last ten. Last ten last time, the last time the Eagles scored an offensive touchdown, Andy Reid was here. The Chiefs. Oh man. All right. So anyway, they lost to the now two and six Giants, fifteen to seven. And you know what? The Giants should really turn around and oh, big to Josh Brown, five field goals for him, which was their entire fifteen point structure there. And then off, of course. No offense from your Philadelphia Eagles, man. What, you know, what did you think about the Eagles playing yesterday? What did you think about Matt Barkley in there, Michael Vick going out with you cold on Wednesday? What did you think of the game? I want to smack you. Okay, now, that out of the way. <laughs> okay, first and foremost, 
15 carries for LaShawn McCoy. Really? Just 15 carries? That's problem number one. Numero uno. Yes, it is. And you know, hey, you know I'm right. You oh, no, absolutely. There's no question about it, man. N- number two. when you got crappy quarterbacks, man. Well, not one of them is any good. Not one of them is any good. You would think by accident, by freaking accident, Chip Kelly would learn that, well, our passing game isn't really that great. Let's rely more on the run. Michael Vick played this game far from 100% from Jump Street. You know this, I know this, and he re-injured his hamstring, and now Matt Barkley is going to be the starting quarterback, barring some freak occurrence, against Oakland this coming weekend. Mm -hmm. Barkley had glimpses of brilliance. He drove the team down the field at the end of the first half only to fumble one of three fumbles that he had in the game. (laughs) He's, 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 He's a superstar, man. Superstar, yeah. Uh, the Eagles had five uh, five fumbles in this game. Yeah, five, and they and only the lost one of them amazingly. But I, I'm tempted to say I have faith in Barkley to a certain extent. I mean, come on, think about this. When Donovan McNabb started back in 1999, did he have a did he have a hard luck road? Absolutely. He yeah. was a rookie. He didn't have experience. Still played a hell of a lot better than Matt Barkley has. Well, I, I know. Small sample size, but I know. You're right. Ryan Leaf as well. Now, wait just a damn minute. We can't go there. Uh, honestly, man, at this point in time, man, you give me a, you know, uh, a choice between Matt Barkley, Mark Sanchez, and Ryan Leaf, it would come down to Mark Sanchez and Ryan Leaf for me. Well, there Not a fan of Matt Barkley at all. I, I, all right, I understand it. Now, Honestly, man, they're not going to win with Barkley. They're not going to win with Vic. And that's and they're not going to win with Foles either, I don't think. No, but I think they have a better chance with uh, Foles learning the uh, I would. Plan. I would tend to agree they have a better yeah. chance. Ultimately, I mean, you you should rely on your team's strengths, and they are not. And let me say this. For an Eagles defense that is porous, for an Eagles defense that has been known to give up touchdowns, when it came down to the red zone, the fact that this is this was only a 15-7 final, it should have been twice as much. It should have been more like 30-7. to You tip your hat a little bit to the Eagles secondary for holding the Giants in check inside the 20-yard line. Well, that and if it was anybody other than the Jets. Uh, the Giants, I think. It, uh, well, that's true. Yeah. So that That's very true, too. Uh, but... You know, and as we're going to tell you in a moment, this team is still just one game back of first place. Amazing. Well, tiebreaker notwithstanding, but not anymore. Anyway, it's it's. I, I this is going to be a long road to New Year's for Philadelphia fans. Just a little bit. Long, long road. Well, it's going to be a long road to baseball starting up for Philadelphia fans. Because I mean, look, the Flyers suck. The Sixers suck. The Eagles. I was going to say, at least the Sixers start in a couple of days. At least it gives you something to look at. I'll smack you. Because, listen, Nolan Noels is going to be a super... Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) All right, let's continue real quick with NFL. and then uh, Carl Winslow on your ass if you're not careful. uh, Yeah, I like Carl Winslow. He's my boy. That's your main man. Uh, All right, listen, man. We're at the halfway mark here, 1230, uh, 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. Give us a call if you want. 347-237-5373 Three four seven two three seven five three seven three. or join us in Smack the chat. Smack upside the head for me, people, with the, with the phones. That's what I'm saying. I don't like that. But before we continue with the NFL, we have to plug Wednesday's show, and it's going to be a really, really good show. 12 p.m. Eastern time, 
24-7 Sports Hub Radio. October 30th, Wednesday, we will be joined by actor D.B. Sweeney. It's going to be a great, great show. We're going to talk to D.B. Sweeney about his new movie, Underdogs, as well as, you know, some of the movies he's known for, like The Cutting Edge, Eight Men Out, um, you know, his great TV role on the uh, television show Jericho, and so much more. So it's going to be a really good show, Jim. Yeah, absolutely. And we hope you listen in, and we want you to call in and 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 ask questions if you want as well. Absolutely. Or join us in the chat room and what have you. So uh, there you go. Absolutely. All right, let's continue with this here. The San Francisco 49ers now 6-2 and two on the season with a 42-10 to 10 win over the 0-8 Jacksonville Jaguars. 0-8. That's but but look at it this way. They got they all got a free trip to get some fish and chips. Oh, sheesh. But uh, you look at Kaepernick's numbers again, though, John. What the hell did he do? I, you know, listen, he's, he's not throwing as much, of course, as you can see. 10 of 16, 164 yards with a touchdown. But he's a field general. But they're letting him run. You know what? When he wants to run, he's going to run. He ran for another two touchdowns yesterday. So, overall, on the throwing and running side, Colin Kaepernick helped lead this team to a win. But listen, man, when you got guys like Anquan Bolden, you've got to learn how to throw to them. Well, and I'm surprised they let, let him run so much on the not-so-firm turf of Wembley Stadium. Yeah. That, that's what's surprising to, to little old May. I mean, listen, 221 rushing yards on the ground between uh, Kendall Hunter, Frank Gore, Kaepernick and a couple other guys, they ran good on it. They did. There's no question about it. I mean, they just they ran right down. I mean, Gore got his carries, Kaepernick got his two touchdowns, and, and, and Hunter, like you mentioned, it was just the run game taking over. You know, and, and Maurice Jones-Drew apparently didn't make it out to London. Um, <laughs> that's wrong. That's so wrong. No, I shouldn't say that. He, he ran for 75 yards, and he, including a 30-yard rip at one point, and I'm just upset because I didn't start him on my fantasy. I feel bad. I feel real bad for the NFL fans in England that have to continuously watch the Jacksonville Jaguars. And they're going to do it again next year. Why? Because the Jaguars, as they say over there, the Jaguars are essentially the de facto London team. Well, you, you, you could make a case for Tampa Bay. Mm, but it's going to be Jacksonville. If... if Tampa Bay, at least, their fans are going to support them through and through. Jacksonville, how many times when you've heard about relocation? Oh, Jacksonville, we're going to move them to Minnesota. Oh, Jacksonville, we're going to move them to Los Angeles. Oh, Jacksonville, we're going to move them to London. I, I honestly don't know what's going to happen with Jacksonville. Um, I honestly don't even think they're going to be an NFL team. In the no, no, I really they, don't. They have to be an NFL team. They have to be moved somewhere. You cannot have 31 teams in the league. You just can't. Well, we'll and, see what uh, Shahid Khan's going to do with them. I'm sure he's going to be uh, looking to get rid of them real soon. After well, it actually, it actually segues. I'll see if I can pull this up very, very quickly. We have a little extra time just to be safe. Yeah. Um, in a blog on CBSSports.com by Will Brinson, this is or, uh, this is interesting. When asked, uh, our, our our beloved commissioner, Roger Goodell was asked on L.A. or London NFL team, which do you want first? He wants both. He wants both a team in London and a team in Los Angeles. And it does not. And here's the quote. I want both, but it doesn't matter which one is first. It's inevitable. This man will get whatever the hell he wants, and he will ruin the game by any 
means necessary. No question about it. I mean, listen, I, I think a team in Los Angeles is vital. I mean, the Rams were there for so many years and were drawing, okay? Yeah. The Raiders... <sighs> The Raiders were, you know, flavor of the week. And the main reason that the teams weren't drawing is look at the decaying stadium they were playing in. You you know, one of the teams, I guess it was the Rams. I don't remember, but I want to say it was the Rams. They were using what is now, uh, you know, the the Angels ballpark. I want to keep calling it. Yeah, I think it was the Rams. While While the Raiders were using the fossilized remains of Los Angeles Olympic Memorial Stadium. You know, and there are plans out there for stadiums that already have, you know, sponsorships attached to them. Oh, it's yeah. a no freaking brainer. Yeah, they, yeah, they don't want to do anything with it. But, but let's go to Wembley. Let's expand the games. Let's be the first North American-based league to have a team on another continent. Yeah, not Give sure. What, me a freaking break. Not sure what Goodell and the NFL are doing, but I guess we're gonna find. Yeah, yeah it's not the NFL. Cool. It's Goodell. It, you yeah. make no bones. It is completely Goodell. Yeah. Well, listen, man, if the owners speak up, man, I'm sure they could do something about it, but... But they have no balls. No. Either that or they might be in cahoots. Who knows? Yeah. All right, let's continue this, man. The Oakland Raiders with a 21-18 to win over the Steelers. Oakland Raiders now 3-4, and four, Pittsburgh Steelers now 2-5. and five. But the big story out of this game was Terrell Pryor and his record-setting 93-yard touchdown. That was amazing. First play from scrimmage, the longest touchdown run by a running back. Crazy. Or by my quarterback, excuse me. In freaking sand. Oh, and by the way, nice to see Run DMC show up. I thought that was cute. Yeah, it was about time he did <clears> something. Yeah, 24 carries, 73 yards, two touchdowns. How often does this happen? And this is a query for you, Mr. Ragus, and you don't have to answer it. It's kind of rhetorical. Mm-hmm. How often do you have a quarterback who runs for more yards than they pass for? Lately, a lot. <laughs> no, I mean literally. I mean... Pryor ran for 106 in the in the touchdown, obviously, the 93-yarder. Yeah, yeah. He threw for 88 and two picks. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, he wasn't good on the uh, quarterback side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, they, these teams are not good. Neither of these teams are good at all. No. And Pittsburgh made an interesting late. They were within an onside kick of making uh, making a run to win the game. But, I mean... Oh, Le'Veon Bell showed up at the end there for a second. At the very end with a touchdown, but they held him to about a yard, not even a yard and a half a carry. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. If uh, you know what, he looked good a couple weeks before this. If you're Le'Veon Bell and you can't run against the Oakland uh, Raiders defense, I don't know. I don't know. That's not good. I don't know, uh, but uh, yay, yay for the Raiders. You're three and four, and you're still going nowhere. Yay for the Raiders. All right, let's move it on to Denver Broncos. Now seven and one on the season, behind Peyton Manning and his two sprained ankles, leading the Broncos to victory, 45 to 21 over the now two and five. Washington, Red, Brave, Skin, Heart, something. I don't know what their name Washington is. Washington Professional Football Team, and don't you friggin' forget it. Oh, man. Well, the Broncos are 7-1. and one. You know, Peyton Manning uh, coming down to earth a little bit, but at the same time, you know, he's got two sprained ankles, supposedly. But here's the thing. This game was up for grabs until the fourth quarter. This game was completely up for grabs until the fourth quarter. RG3 gets nailed on, I believe it's his good ankle or his good knee. Yeah. And then Kirk Cousins came in, and Kirk Cousins, not unlike unlike my main man, Matt Barkley, interception happy, and that kind of spelled demise, for lack of better terms. Manning didn't have a Manning game. Yes, 30-44, yes, 354, 
Yes, four touchdowns, but he threw three interceptions, including a pick six, I do believe. Yes. Um, you know, and the running game really wasn't effective for the Broncos. Gee, what a shock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they spread the ball around mainly between three wide receivers, Moreno, Welker, and Thomas. Yeah, helping out. In the course out. of the game. Yeah. Um, you, you know, it, it took it took better than three quarters for the Broncos to say, okay, enough of this poop, let's go. <laughs> time to win the game and let's go home. Time, time is ours. Time's ours. Uh, that, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Uh, they just needed that little toggle t- switched on. I mean, 31 points in the fourth quarter, and a lot of them on defensive uh, you know, interception returns for touchdowns of the like. <clears throat> so excited I'm losing my voice. Uh, but, again, interception set up a lot of short fields and, and what have you. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. You know, one return for a touchdown all the way to seal the deal. Uh, yeah, by your boy, uh, Dominique Rogers Cromarty. You know what? You try to kick me while I'm down. Are you? I'm a judge fan. I've been kicked while I'm down my entire life, man. Yeah, well, <laughs> and Fireman Edits had to break out the fire hose for you. Uh, there you man. go. If he even watches the games anymore. Well, yeah, no, I mean, like, what's his name uh, uh, from UHF? You oh. have to play with a fire hose. Then you get sprayed and you get knocked out and you're broken in half like Mick Foley. So. Who was that again in UHF? I can't remember. Michael Richards. Yeah, Michael Richards. It was Kramer, right? Yeah. Hello, Kramer. By the way, I did not get to see Weird Al Yankovic this weekend. He wasn't there. No. Yeah, he was coming back at 3.30 and uh, we were there real early and we were leaving our round two already. So. For shame, for shame. Yeah, it would have been nice to meet him. but He's my main man. He's my main man. Anyway. He's only 54, by the way. That's mind-numbing. He's been around for so long. 30 years. He honestly seems older. Yeah, but... And if you haven't seen UHF, watch it. It's real campy, but it's pretty funny. Yeah, and uh, Victoria ja- uh, Jackson, is it? Or is that her name? The blonde? You know, yeah, back I in think the day, it, before she uh, went all nutso politico, yes. Yeah, Victoria Jackson. Yeah. Indeed. I, for- I forgot she was in that. Oh, I don't. There was a lot of people in that, though. Michael Richards was in that. Who yeah. else was in that? I think Fran Drescher was in that, too. Yeah, yes, she was. Yeah. Yes, she was. Oh, boy. All right, let's uh, let's continue here. we got a couple more games to go over, and that is the Arizona Cardinals with a 27-13 win over the Atlanta Falcons. Cardinals now 4-4, four and four, Falcons now 2-5. and five. But the big story out of this game is the Cardinals wanted to trade Larry Fitzgerald. If I'm Larry Fitzgerald... I would want to be traded, too. Uh, <laughs> man, oh, man. What, well, where are you going to deal him to is what I'm wondering. And what are you looking to get? Listen, to trade a Larry Fitzgerald, you're going to have to look for a lot. Absolutely. It's Larry Fitzgerald. It's, it's honestly one of the top three, if not top five, wide receivers in the league. Exactly. And he's not in rhythm with Carson Palmer. Four grabs, 48 yards. You know, he he deserves a better fate. But also, he does. But also, I can't help but say to myself, if it's Gerald leaves that team, do the Cardinals put you this way? Cardinals games will not be on TV. They will not sell out. They're barely on now. Well, I know that. Uh, But but not even uh, that. I mean, you look at it too. You know, Adam Schefter, of course, coming out reporting and saying that. Uh, a trade for the Cardinals, uh, Larry Fitzgerald will be in play this offseason, and likely a Vente deal is not completed before Tuesday's trade deadline. If you're going to trade him in the offseason, don't you owe it to Larry Fitzgerald now, who has been nothing but class for your organization, who has played for some of the most miserable Arizona Cardinals teams. Don't you owe it to trade him now to a contender? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I tell you right now, man. Mm. If I was New Orleans, oh, I'm on the phone. Or I was Detroit. I'm on the phone. I would do anything. I I would trade draft picks for the next six years to get Larry Fitzgerald in. It's yeah, because Detroit. the window's the window's short for both of those teams. Yeah. When you really get get right down to it, if but, if Detroit could get Larry Fitzgerald, making the number two next to Megatron, Matt Stafford is going to be in full heaven. He's going to win a Super Bowl for Detroit. No doubt, no doubt about it. No doubt. The same thing with Drew Brees in New Orleans. He's going to win another Super Bowl. He may win one without him, yeah. but he'll definitely win one with him. Let's go to the other side for a second here because Matty Ice, guess what? The ice is thawed. Yeah. It's liquid. It's oozing all over, and it's not looking good. That didn't sound right, did it? But oh well. No, it really didn't. <laughs> Matt Ryan threw 61 passes. 61. This wasn't an overtime game, boys and girls. 61 passes compared to 14 run plays. Mm-hmm. He threw through four interceptions as well. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, shout out to Harry Douglas. By the way, look up while you're listening to us, Harry Douglas on Urban Dictionary. You will vomit. Go ahead and do it, John. I dare you. No, I really don't want to, man. Oh, trust me, you're going to want to. Because I, I, I made the mistake that. on the BS Big Show, and oh, lordy. Really don't feel like vomiting today. Maybe tomorrow. Well, look it up anyway. 12 catches, 121 yards for Mr. Douglas. You know, that that's the high point for the Falcons right there. Yeah. But well, let's give some love also to Andre Ellington. And I didn't start him. 15 carries, 154. Oh, yeah, and he had an 80-yard touchdown run. I, I watched that touchdown run, man. That was – the whole left side of the field was just open for him, man. That was, was a physical thing of beauty. It really so, was. Uh, I really feel bad for Matt Ryan, though. I really do. Because yeah. losses aren't on his shoulders. He's trying hard, man. But again, it's the sum of your parts. Douglas is showing that he could be a future, you know, part of this equation. But if you have Julio Jones healthy, things change a little bit. If right. you have Steven Jackson healthy, things change a little bit. Mm-hmm. If Jackson's not healthy, let's not get ourselves. No, he's, he's, he's running just like a miserable person right now. You know? I mean, 11 carries, 6 yards. We can get 6 yards on 11 carries, man. Even Gonzalez isn't playing good. Yeah, I think he's rethinking that, uh, coming back from the time. You know what, man? It's easy to be a really good tight end when you got two stud wide receivers that people have to cover as well. You know, and I honestly believe that. And that's one of the reasons why I think uh, Gronkowski is so good, too, because, you know, he gets a lot of one-on-one matchups, man. And it's easy for guys the size of Gonzalez and Gronkowski to overpower smaller, uh, you know, defensive backs. So, Just a mess. Just a mess. All right, let's get to the last game from yesterday, and that was the Green Bay Packers with a 44-31 to win over the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings now 1-6, Packers now 5-2. What did you think of this one? Well, once again, the continuing emergence of Eddie Lacy is a big story, but look, James Stark showed up too. There, imagine if they have him together as a one-two combo. Wouldn't that be adorable? Oh, yeah. But Aaron Rodgers... As cool as the other side of the pillow, 24 of 29 for 285 and two touchdowns. Jordy Nelson had two of the, uh, both of those touchdown grabs, seven grabs in total, 123, including a 76-yard burn. Uh, Boykin had a nice game, five grabs, 89 yards for Green Bay. 
they're just putting it together. And again, it's we mentioned it earlier. And uh, yeah, you know, Aaron Rodgers does more with less than probably anybody in the NFL, and he's showing it again this year. About he's it. bringing no names outside of Nelson. Let's get out, kid ourselves. He's making great talent out of no names. Yeah. I mean, who saw Eddie Lacy becoming a big running back this year? Nobody. Nobody. Who saw Boykin stepping up? Nobody. No. Uh, who saw Starks even on the roster? Nobody. Well, you know what? That's why I go, go back to before. A good quarterback makes mediocre players look good. Yeah, and, and yeah. Rodgers is a great quarterback, so need one say more. No. Christian Ponder, on the other hand, makes everybody say, where's your wife? Uh, you know, he threw for he, he completed two-thirds of his passes for 145. Why? That's, that's the truth. I, 145 I, yards. I'm not going to let that go. Every week you're going to get that reverence as long as Ponder's in the starting lineup. But uh, Peterson ran for 60 yards and a touchdown, and nice to see him hit the end zone. Maybe it'll spark something down the road, but uh, it's a mess. It's it just a mess in Minnesota. Um, what, what, what else can you say? I don't know. Uh, well, that was it for Sunday's games, and of course we got uh, tonight's Monday night football game. That's going to be good. Who's, who's that, Seattle and... Uh, Seattle and St. Louis. Seattle and St. Louis. Well, and, not going to be a good game anymore. So. And we're both 11-1 and one on our picks this week. 11-1, and one, we both got Seattle, so by tomorrow we'll both be 12-1. and one. It'll be... How about that? After a meh week last week, we're going to be, you know... Going to be tied again. Going to be better than the naysayers. What we're right now is you leading 63-43 and 43 to my 62-44, and 44, so... A main man. Main man. All right, let's bring in a uh, quick call from the 717 area code. That's PA, man. What's going on, 717? Hey, uh, hey guys. Uh, just two quick, two quick points, and then I'd like to get to my main topic here. Um, New Orleans and Seattle, guys. I've never seen a year where home field advantage is going to be more important in the playoffs. These two teams have the biggest home field advantage, I think, by far in the NFL and the team that gets it between Seattle and New Orleans, I think, has a huge advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, my second, my second point: Kansas City, eight and zero. They scream to me as one of those teams we see it every year. They has a great record, but when the playoffs come, Alex Smith, or for whatever reason, I just don't see them going all the way. Um, a lot of times you see these teams come out of nowhere. They go, you know, 13-3, 12-4, the number one seed. But uh, I just don't think they have enough playmakers, and some of these scores are starting to get close against some questionable teams here. So I don't Agreed. think Kansas City is going to be there when it's all said and done, even though Reed's doing a great job. Um, my, my main point here is I'm a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan. And – as much as as strange as it sounds, after I got after I got over the the loss yesterday, I'm actually kind of encouraged what I'm seeing here. Um, first of all, the division they're in is god awful. Um, I thought Philadelphia would be the team that might challenge them, but now uh, you know their quarterback situation. It looks like they could be the worst team in the division. Um, the Redskins, you know, are two and five. The Giants are two and six. Uh, so I actually like Dallas's position, and uh, you know you get the Marco uh, Murray back and and where on defense, uh, and I think uh, you know they can make some noise because they played the good teams they've lost to. They've been right down, in, you know, in the game to the final minutes. Well, what's your first name? Where are you listening to us from, if I may ask? Uh, Blog Talk Radio. Uh, the name is Mike in Pittsburgh. 
Mike in Pittsburgh. Okay, well, first of all, thanks for calling in. Now, let me address your points here. First of all, going back to uh, the home field advantage, I completely agree with you. Uh, playing in Seattle, playing in New Orleans, you have the most rabid fan bases and I think the loudest stadiums, quite frankly, in the National Football League. So you are almost beat before you even step foot on the turf at either of those places. Very valid uh, point there. Number two, you talk about uh, Kansas City, and we brought this up when we were going over the games. You look at the strength of schedule with the teams they've been playing. First of all, they play the NFC least, and they beat the NFC least. But when they're playing teams like Cleveland, a team that's near 500, and uh, before that, uh, Houston, where it was a close go, you start to see that this isn't the team that the record indicates. And we're really going to see that, I think, when it comes time for the head-to-head matchups with Denver. So I think you're right on that. And you talk about Dallas. The NFC least, and that's what I'm calling them as a whole, and it's not because uh, you know I'm an Eagles fan, as you probably know if you listen to this program, Bram, and if you heard my little diatribe earlier, I hope you got some jollies off of it, man. Uh, this is a division where seven I mean this, seven wins will win the division this year. There's no question in my mind that the first team to 7-9 and nine is the division champion because it is that bad. Dallas will back into the division. And I mean back in because, let me ask you, Mike, you still there? Yes. Okay. Do you honestly think at this point in time that your Dallas Cowboys, let, let's give them the division championship because I'm, I'm willing to. I'm willing to give them the division championship. Do you think this Dallas team, as it's constructed right now, even if you bring the Marco Murray back, do you think they can beat a team that's a division champion, uh, be it, it whoever comes out of the North, whoever comes out of the uh, South, in in the wild card playoffs? Because I think there's no chance in Hades. Well, I, I, I think that first game um, at home they could win unless, um, and the way it's shaping up now, if you want to do uh, you know an outlook, it looks like they might get San Francisco, uh, you know, as like a as like a four or five matchup, but that that's way ahead. Um, however, though, no, I, I don't think when it comes down to it, they could win in New Orleans or Seattle. Um, you know, right. in the second round, uh, I just I've just seen this team fail too many times. However, though, I'll say this: I don't think if they played those teams, I don't think they would get blown out because the thing with Dallas is, no matter how good or bad the team is, they always keep it close to the end, and then they, you know, they, they usually screw it up. But uh, they just have a knack, a Romo, of not getting blown out. You know, you know what I mean? Just always keeping the game close, even if it's a superior team. Go back to the game against Denver earlier this season where, you know, it was a Tony Romo mistake, and, and you know, rightly or wrongly, he's the one who gets the blame on this. Uh, that interception late that led to the game-winning field goal for Denver with time expiring. Uh, you know, you know, and, and Tony Romo played the game of his life. It's just the timing of that one interception was the differential. Uh, I mean, this Cowboys team, are they better than their record indicates? I would tend to think so to a certain extent. But then again, like we talked about when we went over the game, you've got a case study like Des Bryant, who, you know what, he has plenty of talent. I do not deny he has talent. Absolutely. But it's the immaturity factor. Why, it's like what we have. Can I jump in real quick with Des Bryant? Um, sure. I, I was watching the whole game, too. After his tirade on the sideline, the first one, I tell you what, the offense picked it up. They started throwing downfield. You know, they got the rookie. He got a long touchdown. You know, Des Bryant caught one, I think, the possession after that. Somehow, I mean, I don't agree with him blowing up, but after he blew up, 
it seemed like the offensive play calling changed, and they started throwing the ball downfield and actually moving the ball. Because that whole game, they didn't do a thing. The defense, you know, pretty much, uh, you know, Charlie interception, you know, scored. And the offense wasn't doing anything until he blew up on the sideline. And after that, they started moving the ball. The first one, yes. The second one at the end was just absolute baby material. Yeah, that's... especially with some time left on the field. You know, that's, uh, wrong, you know, wrong time to do it, in right. my opinion. But so, it so, is what it is, you know. Yeah. So you're. So let me let me ask you a side question here. You're a Dallas Cowboy fan, and you live in Pittsburgh. That's got to be rich, huh? <laughs> Every time I say that, I get the same response. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I used to, and believe it or not, I used to live on the other side of the state, a lot closer to Philadelphia. Uh-oh. And uh, I know you're an Eagles fan, but uh, it, things changed for me when the Eagles fans were cheering Michael Irvin on the field when he was possibly, uh, you know, uh, paralyzed. And and it took a – yes, it took a turn for me for the worse. Um, So uh, I I used to not like the Steelers, but uh, I'm sorry to say the Eagles uh, are – I get get more joy, I'll put it to you this way, in watching the Eagles lose than watching the Cowboys win. And I'm a huge Cowboys fan, so that's saying a lot. I get that. I get that. That's that's the rivalry, man. That's that's how great it is. Mm-hmm. All right, Mike, thanks so much for calling in, man. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have a good one. You too. Thanks, Joe. Be joining us on Wednesday if you can. we got a great show then. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, you know what? I think it's time to uh, touch on a little bit of World Series, man. Here we are at 57 after the hour. We're going extra innings here, ladies and gentlemen, on, on this edition of the, pro, uh, the, uh, the program. All right. See, I slipped it into a show finally. A little... Well, really? Jimmy Fallon doing Adam Sandler. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, and we have four games to talk about, and each of them had a unique characteristic about them. You go back to game one, which was, I believe, Wednesday night, yeah, or Thursday night. Wednesday, Thursday. Thursday, yeah, yeah. It all. No, 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 no. It was, no, no, no. It was Wednesday. Wednesday. See, don't try to question me. I'm kidding. Um, you go back to a a big big uh, play early on in, I believe it was the first inning, where. This is just so mind-numbing. It's hard to wrap my mind around it. A, a a simple throwing error or a simple error whatsoever on a on a ground ball, a routine ground ball, double play ball, where uh, you know the runner or the fielder tried to the Boston fielder tried to uh, exchange the ball but couldn't keep a hold of things. The runner was rolled out, but wait, let's all have a little talk. He's safe, and they got the call right, and that's all that matters. And then Mike Napoli just knocks him around for a three-run double, which pretty much sends the ball rolling for uh, seven unanswered, make that eight unanswered runs to start the game and end the game, and Boston wins 8-1 to win the first game of the series. Game two uh, between these two teams, well, waka, waka, waka. Michael Waka, the legend, continues. Guy's amazing, man. He's unbelievable. He had gone 19 innings without giving up a run. And then Big Poppy stepped to the plate with a big home run in the sixth inning. But again, the Cardinals bail him out. John Jay with a, his base running forced an error on a sacrifice fly, helping score the go-ahead run the next half inning in the top of the seventh to tie the series at one all as the Cardinals win by a count of 4-2. to two. So we go to St. Louis Game 3. 
And simply put, the series comes down to two unique calls back-to-back nights. Game three, tied at four. Dustin Pedroia with an incredible defensive play with a runner on third. The winning run on third for St. Louis had won out. He cuts off the potential winning run at home for the second out of the inning. Jared Saltalamakia then throws wide of third. Will Middlebrooks diving for the ball, couldn't get it. Alan Craig, who is running like Kurt Gibson with no wheels whatsoever, tries to go home, falls over top of Middlebrooks, stumbles, then finally gets up off off the dirt, runs towards home. He's out by a mile, but wait, Jim Joyce immediately called obstruction interference, game over. The run counts, 5-4 St. Louis wins, and one of the damnedest finishes you will ever see to a Major League Baseball game. Insane. To a postseason game. Until game four last night. Boston leading. And now the tying runs at the plate. You know, and the Boston bullpen really helping to bail out the cause. Tying run Carlos Beltran at the plate, and the game ends on a game-ending pickoff play. And to tie the series. So now we're 4-2 Boston wins last night. The series is even at two games apiece. It's a best-of-three series. Game five is tonight. And obviously, game six is necessary on Wednesday night. Back at Fenway. And Halloween could be spooktacular for Game 7, if necessary, Thursday I, night. I was kind of hoping we were going to return insane. today with a uh, sweep. This, this series is insane. It is. It is insane so far. But and nobody's uh, watching it. Who's, the, who's, who's starting for tonight? Uh, let me bring that information up for you right now. On the hill for St. Louis, it's the ace, Adam Wainwright, who has been on the wrong side of things. Uh, lopsided in defeating Game 1, allowing five runs, three earned on six hits and a walk in just five innings. Uh, his uh, opponent, John Lester, on the mound. Uh, the ace has been money, winning three of his four starts in the postseason, posting a 1.67 ERA. He has not allowed more than two runs in any start this October. Lifetime in the Fall Classic, this will be his third start. He's a perfect 2-0 and with an ERA of 0.0. Zero. I would say Saint, uh, Boston has the edge, but with the way it's going so far, you I don't know what kind it. of wacky thing is going to happen tonight. You so. can't call it. This is insane. Uh, it's it's nuts. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's just clinically insane. You can't yeah. you can't put stats to it. You can't put logic. You can't put reasoning. It just is. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, let's bring this up too because we 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 spoke about this early on. I, I I haven't I'm I'm paying attention via you know articles and box score. I haven't really watched much of the World Series yet. And of course, you know we were talking pre pre show about it. And I brought up an article that our very own Tanya Mercado wrote over on twenty four seven sportshubcom dot com titled "World Series Meaning Less and Less to the Fans." Um, is, is that true? Do you think the World Series is starting to mean less and less to the fans? Because in my point of view. It kind of is. No question it is. It, it's sad. Um, and Keith Olbermann, when he came back on his ESPN2 show uh, middle last week, had it perfectly nailed about this. You look at the way the NFL has grown. Why is it that the NFL continues to break records with their championship game, the Super Bowl? Why is it that, let's keep it real, the NHL, their ratings are improving for the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. The NBA is kind of in middle of the road. Yeah, they've always been, you know, up and down in the middle there. So right, but why is it that baseball continuously has lost 
more and more ratings. Well, there are a number of factors at play. First of all, we live in a million-channel universe. Let's not deny that. That's a fact. That definitely plays a role. And there's lots of counter-programming. Back 20, 30, 40 years ago, networks were like, oh, okay, let's just give this week to the network that owns the World Series. They weren't counter-programming the World Series. Um, nowadays, you could watch CSI such-and-such such, or NCIS such-and-such such, or Big Bang Theory, Habidubi, or, or whatever. Networks, networks give a damn about what they – they're not afraid of going up against the series because they're going to win. The Big Bang Theory versus the World Series, Kaylee Cuoco will win every day of the week, twice on Sunday, and she'll get a reward from it for me, if you know what I mean. I agree. So, uh, well, except the last part, maybe, but there you go. Nowadays, that's, that's part of it. Another thing Olbermann mentioned, which I think is spot on, you take a look at the way the NFL has marketed themselves. There are, quote-unquote, national fan bases for almost every team. Mm-hmm. Mm, Jacksonville, regardless. There are, there, I mean... We just talked to somebody from Pittsburgh who is a huge Cowboys fan. We, I mean, teams have fan bases all over. I'll give you a great example with the Eagles. There is a big, fairly known fan base in Tampa known as Tampa Delphia. And they, anytime the Eagles play the Bucks in Tampa Bay, they take over the station, stadium by the thousands. Mm-hmm. So certain teams have, you know, fan bases all across the country. The NL, Major League Baseball had that to a certain degree, because back in the 50s and 60s, they had something called the Game of the Week. Yeah, we still have it now, but it sucks. Yeah. But they actually had two Games of the Week. One, the Network Game of the Week, and then the New York Yankees, who at the time were owned by CBS, they had their games aired nationally for all to see. So the Yankees were the national team, not unlike the Cowboys are now. Yeah. Mm, baseball's gone away from that kind of mentality, rightly or wrongly. Yeah. So that's part of it, too. People are going to say, oh, all the games are at night. The kids can't watch. That plays a small role, I think. It'd be nice. Yeah, but you know what? It was years ago as well. And you know what? I I stayed up to watch it. Like I told you, I've always followed the World Series. I've never missed a game. But over the last, I'd say, between five to seven years, it's just not as powerful as it once was to me. I think a lot of that has to do with the change of broadcasters. NBC and ABC cared about the game enough. Yeah. CBS especially, and Fox, not so much. CBS really killed it, I think, back when they took over baseball and never told you when it was going to be on. Mm. Uh, when they did their Game of the Week in the, the early to mid-90s, it was periodic because they also had to fit in their golf coverage or uh, their college basketball or their college football or whatever. So you never knew when the Game of the Week would be on. Sometimes it would be a couple of weeks before you saw the Game of the Week. There was no continuity. And Fox has had that problem, too. They've had a lack of continuity when it comes to scheduling their Game of the Week. Matter of fact, it's going to be less of a Game of the Week this coming season because many games are going to be moving, rightly so, to Fox Sports 1. There are a lot of different things at play. Well, team teams as well, like Tanya notes in her uh, piece about, you know, a lot of people are tired of seeing the same teams in the playoffs and in the World Series. And, you know, as much as I'd like to see either the Red Sox or the St. Louis Cardinals win for various reasons, it was kind of exciting when teams like the Marlins and the Diamondbacks would make it as well. So, And it would – now, let me beg the question to you. Or raise the question. I keep saying beg the question. That's grammatically incorrect. You can beg. You can beg if you like. Well, I'll, I'll beg for mercy for Kaylee. Cobra Knights, uh, we're done. What it, what it comes down to is this. If the Pirates were in the Cardinals' spot, do you think ratings would be up? You know what? 
I can't speak for the rest of the country and the rest of the world, but I can honestly tell you that if the Pirates were in this series, I would. there's a better chance of me tuning in. Football fans are more interested, absolutely. But the bottom line is this, and Fox especially has marketed themselves as such. You look at their game of the week schedule, you are guaranteed to have at least one New York team, one Los Angeles team, oh, yeah. one Chicago team, and probably Philadelphia if you so desire. Absolutely. That's not by accident. Four largest television markets. They dictate, they're trying to dictate to us, well, these are the teams that we want that matter, okay? Yeah. So that, that's a large part of it, too. Uh, and that's why people are like, oh, you don't like our team. You didn't cover our team. Well, because we were busy covering the Yankees, the Yankees, the Yankees, the Mets occasionally, the Red Sox, Chicago. Uh, you know, that that's part of it, too. Well, you know what? That's the way with the NBA, too. Now, every time you put on a game, it's mostly always the heat. You know, uh, listen, there are other teams in, in the sport that are playing good basketball that we'd like to see. You know what I mean? There's other teams in the NHL I always put on. You know, NHL Network, when uh, I want to watch a certain game, and it's always the Pittsburgh Penguins. You know, it's never, uh, you know, maybe I want to watch the Senators and, and, and Maple Leafs game. You know what? That's just the way I am as a fan. So, but like I said, it's always the same teams, even on the networks as well. So I've got numbers here if you want me to go there. Um, of since 19, oh, well, This is based since 1984, okay? We've had we've had. Uh, so you have to take a lot series. of things into question, though, since it's 1984. So. Well, okay, thank you, George Orwell. It's just mind-numbing. We go back to you know the '86 World Series, which is the uh, the most cumulative since 1984, largest cumulative audience. Okay, yes. and we had 36.37 million viewers on average watching the '86 World Series as a whole. Mm-hmm. Even when Fox took over the first year, Yankees Braves. That was to an audience of over 25 million cumulatively. Yeah. They, they were getting ratings. They actually got a 20.0 rating for Game 5 of that series. Okay? How could we go in 1996 from 25 million and half that in less than 20 years? to 30, This series right now, through three games, they don't have the numbers for the fourth game yet because the overnights aren't out, at 13.4 million viewers. How does that happen? It's happening. The last time the, the uh, a World Series game got 20 or more view, uh, actually, the, the last time that 25 million eyeballs watched a World Series game was Game 7 in the 2011 World Series. That got a 14.7 overnight rating, which in this day and age is amazing. A 14.7 in the 1990s, executives would have slit their wrist. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, absolutely. It's just... You know, it's lowered expectations. It's amazing when you look at it that, you know what, games in the late 80s were getting better numbers than they are in 2013. I'll link you to the Wikipedia thing uh, in there. In fact, I might even put it in the chat. I'm a nice guy. I'm going to put it in the chat. There you go. Because it's it's really interesting to me. And again, this is me being media ease. Maybe I should write a follow-up to Tanya's article. You should. Well, you know what, for for our listeners that are listening in right now, we want to hear your opinion on it. So what you could do is go to 247sportshub.com. That's 247sportshub.com. Look at the MLB category on the front page and click on Tanya Mercado's piece, World Series meaning less and less to the fans. Scroll right down, and you can comment via Facebook on the article. Let us, you know, let us know what you think. Are you watching the game? Are you not watching the game? And if you aren't, let us know why you aren't watching the game, because it would be interesting to find out why. 
It is. It's uh, it's sad to me. It really is. Because, I, I mean, baseball is my favorite sport with football a close second and everything else pales in comparison to me. And there's something special and magical about a seven-game World Series. And there's something, you know, special about baseball in October. And maybe it's me being all Bob Costasy and romanticizing about the infield fly rule and what have you. But it, it's just sad to see that the game is withered away slowly but surely. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right, man. We'll find out more from uh, our listeners and fans on that piece, hopefully. By the way, I, I should also mention the three-game average. I just mentioned 8.1 with, 14 million, uh, with a 14 share. That's actually up 13% over the first three games of last year's World Series, uh, for what it's worth. And that was a series between the Giants and the Tigers, which also had comparable media markets. So yeah, Probably more people like, like in Boston watching it, tuning in. Well, yeah, of course. You, yeah. you got your John Leary's. They got an unhappy, you know. He's going to hate me. I don't care. All right, well, you know what? Tomorrow is the start. It's the tip-off of the National Basketball Association 2013-14 season. We do have three games on the bill, so I'll throw out those three games. For the listeners right now, the Orlando Magic tip-off against the Indiana Pacers. Pacers getting some bad news, though, as Danny Granger will be out for the first three weeks of the season. Seems Granger and the Pacers cannot catch a break there. Big game, though. Miami Heat, the defending champions, taking on the Chicago Bulls, and the Bulls have Derrick Rose back, so this is going to be a really good Exciting first game of the season, as well as the battle in Los Angeles. The Lakers taking on the Clippers. Lakers, though, will be without Kobe Bryant. So that's going to be uh, that's going to be a fun game as well, though. Oh yes, I absolutely. Think. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, let me just bring this uh, schedule back up one more time. The Lakers will be the home team, so they won't have to put the posters over the banners. No, not this no. time. Uh, let's get into uh, some of the NHL games on the bill for tonight. We do have five games. But before we do that, we do have a trade to announce uh, that happened yesterday. Uh, pretty big trade, though, here as the Buffalo Sabres are starting their rebuilding project by trading their uh, their biggest player, their prize goal scorer, Thomas Vanek, to the New York Islanders for center Matt Molson, a first-round draft pick in 2014 and a second-round draft pick in 2015. And as also, uh, you know, people are taking a look at the Buffalo Sabres saying, you know what? Keep your eyes open because they might. We might see very soon a trade of uh, their veteran and, and star goaltender Ryan Miller, as well as Steve Ott, um, to some other teams as well. So well, Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo's in free fall mode this season, as you no doubt know. Big time, big time, big time. So they they need to get something for nothing, something out of it before they can get nothing out of it at this point. And that could either either be a really good trade for the New York Islanders, or it could be a really bad trade for the New York Islanders, depending on the draft picks and what Vanek can do for this team. So. Because the Islanders have actually been playing up the last year or two and, and playing semi-competitive hockey, have they not? They, they've, they've been playing good. They, every year they're getting better and better. Um, but, you know, now you add a goal scorer like Vanek to the team who's been a little, um, you know, he hasn't been as consistent over the last couple of seasons. But we'll just see how he mixes with guys like John Tavares. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, getting rid of a role player like Matt Molson—that always hurts as well. So, no, absolutely. We have five games on the NHL bill tonight. The New York Rangers are finally home after a crazy, crazy road trip because of the transformation of Madison Square Garden to take on the Montreal Canadiens. The Dallas Stars taking on the Buffalo Sabers in Buffalo, so that's probably an instant win for Dallas because the Sabers are just awful this season. The Carolina Hurricanes taking on the seven and four Pittsburgh Penguins. The Chicago Blackhawks heading to Minnesota to take on the 6-3-3 Minnesota Wild. 
and the Washington Capitals hot of late heading to Vancouver to take on John Tortorella in his 8-4-1 Vancouver Canucks. Only five games on the bill tonight. Good games, though. Absolutely. Good, Absolutely. good games. Well, Jim, that is it for today's episode of 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. Uh, we hope the listeners enjoyed it, and we hope the listeners as well will tune in on Wednesday, this Wednesday, October 30th, as we will be joined by actor D.B. Sweeney from many, many movies that you'll know from Eight Men Out to The Cutting Edge to uh, playing John Goats in Jericho, the television show. Uh, great actor. We're going to be talking to him about his new movie, Underdogs. He takes over as coach of a football team. Check it out online. Look for the trailer. It's called Underdogs with D.B. Sweeney. And uh, he'll be joining us at 12 o'clock Eastern time on Wednesday. going to be a really, really good show, Jim. Absolutely. In addition to that, if that wasn't enough, we'll talk some more sports. We'll recap the Monday Nighter, recap the first night of the association, and uh, any other interesting news and notes. Oh, yes, Game 5 of this World Series. We'll preview Game 6 as well on the next 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. Absolutely. So we thank our listeners for tuning in. We will be back Wednesday. For Jim Williams, I'm Jonathan Raggis. You enjoy the rest of your day. Good day, good sports.